Thank you for downloading Producer's Pick from Sounds True, a podcast dedicated to bringing you compelling, captivating, and intriguing selections from our programs. In this podcast, the producers at Sounds True have chosen a selection from a program they've worked on that caught their attention as a unique or special moment in the recording process. This week's episode, Breaking a Legacy of Panic, comes from the audiobook Daring to Rest by Karen Brody. Here's what Christy Peoples, a producer at Sounds True, has to say about this week's producer's pick. Karen Brody needed sleep. She just didn't realize how badly. As a young mother, the rigors of raising an infant had left her frazzled and panicked. So panicked that one day she found herself stricken by stabbing chest pains while out running errands. It wasn't a heart attack as she'd feared, but it was just as bad. Karen had experienced a crippling panic attack. Hers is a familiar story to lots of stressed out women. Being stretched too thin across countless obligations while never attending to any one of them well. It's a cycle that ultimately leaves women depleted in body and mind. And it's her surprising path to healing that deserves our attention. When we got into the studio, I followed her through the initial meditations as she spoke them, and I got it. My body went heavy and still and fell into a sort of sleep, even as I heard much of what she said. Now, it's not the yoga we see so often in gyms and fancy studios. It's a deeper way to rest and to release the toxins we've been living with. It's a return to ourselves, fully awake, if we dare. You can download the entire program, Daring to Rest, at SoundsTrue.com. And now our producer's pick, Breaking a Legacy of Panic with Karen Brody. Before I tell you about the Daring to Rest journey ahead, I want to share my story of how I first discovered Yoga Nidra meditation. I had been a meditator for a decade when I started having my children. But very soon after their births, I stopped meditating because I was just too exhausted. I literally couldn't sit upright. My oldest son cried virtually day and night from the time he was 10 days old until 18 months. We tried everything to help him stop crying, spoke to many doctors, and eventually resolved to eat every meal with the vacuum cleaner on, which was the only time we could put him down and he would stop crying. Soon after my second son was born, I felt like a sleep-deprived crazy person by then. Driving over curbs, going through stop signs. My husband traveled about four months of the year. Rest seemed completely out of the question. So I kept going until one day, actually the first day both my boys were in some daycare and I was returning to work more, I popped into my local supermarket to buy light bulbs. As I walked down the aisle, suddenly I couldn't see the light bulbs or any of the items on the shelves. The aisle was spinning. My heartbeat was racing. I went to grab one of my boys' juice packs in my purse, thinking my blood sugar must be low. But even after the juice pack, everything was still spinning. As a mom, I know when the juice pack doesn't work, I'm in trouble. And that was an understatement. 
My husband was away on a work trip at the time, so I got my girlfriend to meet me in the parking lot. When she found me, I was hugging my car, unsure if I could take another step. I was sure I was having a heart attack, so she took me to the hospital in her car. Once at the hospital, they did a gazillion tests, and not too long after, they came into the room to tell me I was fine. No heart attack, blood work looked great. I'm not fine, I told them, to which they explained, we think you had a panic attack. What? Panic? You mean I was not dying? The hospital, thinking I was having a possible heart attack, and now they are sending me home telling me I'm fine? It's just panic? This scenario sounded all too familiar, actually. As a young kid, my parents divorced, and I'd spend my weekends with my father. And in the middle of the night, we'd be woken, put in an ambulance, told Dad wasn't well, he felt dizzy and his heartbeat was pounding, and then, hours later, we were sent home. He was fine. Back then, they didn't call it panic, or at least no one shared this with me. But now, in my 30s, I began to suspect my father had a history of panic attacks, and others in his family, too. Was I destined to have panic? The hospital suggested I go on anti-anxiety pills. This felt like my worst nightmare. I was very health conscious and barely swallowed an ibuprofen for a headache. And now I was going to go on an anti-anxiety pill? Well, I did. How could I not? No one suggested meditation or anything else. And quite honestly, I felt I didn't have time for that. So I took the pills. I promised myself it would only be six months. Three years later, I was still on them. I was still sleep-deprived, and on the day I dropped both kids in preschool, I went immediately to the local yoga studio to sign up for a yoga class to get back into shape. This was three years after I started taking my anti-anxiety pills. But instead of the bendy, stretchy yoga class, I approached the front desk and in another room heard a very different kind of yoga class happening, a guided meditation. I peeked in and 25 women were lying down, bolsters underneath their knees, blankets over their bodies, eye pillows over their eyes, looking totally blissed out. And I thought, I want what they got. Turns out what they got was Yoga Nidra, the sleep of the yogi, an ancient yogic sleep meditation tool that was like meditation meets sleep. What? <laughs> A rock star nap? I signed up immediately. That's the kind of meditation and yoga I needed. I began to call yoga nidra meditation with a cherry on top. I had always loved meditation, but what I really needed was sleep. And that's what yoga nidra meditation does. It gives you the meditation and the sleep. Meditation with a cherry on top. It takes you into deep sleep brainwaves with a trace of awareness, so you're then able to enter a very deep state of meditation where stress literally melts away. I get to lie down and stress melts away? This really sounded too good to be true, but it wasn't. Yoga Nidra met all my expectations and beyond. Immediately, I felt more rested. I also felt more loving and kind toward my family. My creativity returned. But the big piece that was totally unexpected was that my anxiety, a family legacy I had thought I'd have to endure, went away. 
One year after practicing yoga nidra meditation, I went off the anti-anxiety pills. I had broken a family legacy. It felt like magic. All I did was lie down, listen to a guided voice, and do nothing. How could essentially what felt like a nap break a family legacy? I've seen this again and again. Family legacies of depression, broken. Family legacies of negative birth experiences, broken. Family legacies of menstrual discomfort, broken. In this 40-day Daring to Rest program, I will teach you the secrets of Yoga Nidra meditation and let you experience its magic. Yoga Nidra looks very similar to the way you'd lie down and take a nap. If you have practiced yoga before, then think of Shavasana, the corpse pose, where you lie down often at the end of a yoga practice to rest and digest the practice. Yoga Nidra looks like this, too. You can even practice Yoga Nidra sitting in a chair. For years when my kids were young, I practiced it in my minivan after I dropped my son off at soccer. I'd park the minivan, and while I waited for my son, I'd lean the seat back, put on some earbuds, and play a Yoga Nidra recording on my phone. My husband has practiced at work during his lunchtime. There are no strict rules other than to be comfortable, listen to the voice guiding you, and do absolutely nothing. Doing nothing, of course, is not so easy. We're so accustomed to nonstop doing that non-doing, which is what Yoga Nidra is the art of, can feel both delicious and uncomfortable because when we lie down and get quiet, that's often when, as sleep specialist Dr. Ruben Nyman told me once, all our junk from the trunk comes forward. But don't worry, Yoga Nidra has you covered. Emotions may come up when you first practice Yoga Nidra, but eventually by meeting these emotions, their charge on you eventually diffuses. Think of an uncomfortable feeling as part of the detox effect that happens when you go from an unhealthy diet to a healthy one. If you've been running around busy for so many years, when you rest, your body finally meets what it's been running from. For most people, this is liberating. You can be done with fine and start living fully alive. If you've had trauma, while Yoga Nidra can help many people, you should check with your care provider and check in with yourself about whether this is a good time to practice Yoga Nidra. It's especially important for people with trauma to use a touchstone during Yoga Nidra, and I'll explain why in just a bit. But first, I want to tell you a little more about Yoga Nidra. This practice has been called yogic sleep or conscious relaxation. Through a series of guided body scanning, breath work, visualization, and other techniques, Yoga Nidra helps your entire nervous system unwind and it re-teaches you to sleep. You may be asking, how? Well, by teaching you how to do nothing. That's how. How to completely, deeply relax the body. Yoga Nidra helps you sleep because the biggest problem for people that don't sleep is that they can't turn off the activation switch in their bodies. Yoga Nidra helps you do this. And because Yoga Nidra guides you from a waking state of consciousness to dreaming to deep sleep and beyond to a fourth state of consciousness, you are taught how to get to sleep. You are taught how to go into a deep state of non-doing, and this changes everything. For me, 
it was ending a family legacy of panic. For the first time ever, my nervous system shifted out of a state of excessive doing, a sympathetic dominant condition that many people are living in today, especially women who tend to be drawn to caretaking and overdoing. We need rest and digest time to counter all the constant activation within our bodies and minds. If we don't get it, health conditions and mental crises start to happen. The statistics today bear this out. Between 2001 and 2011, the number of women taking medication for ADHD, known as Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, which is a condition with symptoms like an inability to focus and hyperactivity, this statistic rose 200%. So how could so many women have ADHD? Certainly lack of rest must be a factor. Also, 80% of autoimmune disorders are diagnosed in women. Why? Lack of rest never allows our bodies to cool down. If we're always hot, this causes inflammation. And there's another reason why women need rest. We are literally losing a connection to our deeper inner knowing, our intuition. When you're tired and you don't get deep sleep, this part of you that is a well of wisdom cannot be accessed. We walk around in what Dr. Clarissa Pinkola Estes calls a female psychic slumber. We're awake, our eyes are open, but really, we're asleep. We're fine. Like me buying light bulbs that day. I was awake, functioning, but really I was asleep. On the Daring to Rest journey, fine is not acceptable, unless it's a request from your soul. 